It's Thayer Thursday. Thursday. Tom Thayer. 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 1985 Super Bowl champion and football analyst for the Chicago Bears. Heat to win the division, win the division, get into the playoffs. Former offensive lineman. Do they need to get better? Do they need to give up less sacks? Yes, of course. Tom Thayer. Tom Thayer. It's Thayer Thursday on Captain J. Hood, ESPN Chicago. Good morning, Chicago, and welcome in to the Captain J. Hood Morning Show on ESPN 1000. And we are streaming on the ESPN Chicago app with David Kaplan, Jonathan Hood with you. We got Shay, we got Jay Moore, we got you on a Tom Thayer Thursday. And Tom is with us on the hotline. That'd be the Car X Tire and Auto Hot. Rattle, rattle, thunder, clatter, boom, boom, boom. Don't worry, call the Car X man. Good morning, Tom. How are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. Awesome, awesome. Happy New Year to you. Uh, you, you guys as well. Hey, uh, Tom, when you take a look at Justin Fields and the offense against the Falcons, where do you place Justin's performance amongst others that you've seen from him? You know, his escapability is undeniable. He's one of the most dynamic athletes in all the NFL, no matter what position you want to pick out. Um, he does a, He's a super resilient guy, and um, he's, he's difficult for any defensive coordinator to get ready for because he's so unpredictable. I think that, and you know, we've talked a bunch about it all season. To me, I would love to see Justin get super organized in the passing game where every single time, not every single time, but when he has important pass reps, he knows exactly where he's going with the ball because some of his escapability is on display because there might be uncertainty where where he needs to go. But um, listen, man, the, the guy is a weapon. And you could probably put him at running back, and he would be equally as dynamic as if he's when he plays the quarterback position. So um, I think he inspires his teammates. He frustrates defensive coordinators. And when you see guys like Bud Debris and uh, Calais Campbell laying on the ground in frustration because they were each counting uh, a sack and what it meant for their bonuses, you can see what what he is to what he means to his team. Okay, two-part question, because I've gotten this from a lot of people on Twitter. They asked me, could you draft whoever it is, Caleb Williams, Drake May, whoever, and use Justin as a Taysom Hill-style guy where he's out there behind center, he's out there, as you just said, in a running position or a receiving position, A. So answer that for me first. Well, you know, I was talking to some people, you know, outside the Bears organization and talking about that when they were talking about, do you re-sign Justin or not? And I said, how about this? You give Justin an $80 million, four-year, 100% guaranteed contract to be a Taysom Hill. And I think if you had, you know, you explored those options, Justin probably wouldn't take it because he wants to be a quarterback. But, you know, Cap, I've had that same discussion with other people um, outside of you and Jay Hood. And, um, it, you know, that could be the case, or I would just draft another quarterback and, and let him compete. Okay. Now, if you draft a guy, I believe, number one, you can't bring Justin back. If you do go down that road, I, they may trade the pick and get a haul of picks back. I don't think you could drop a number one overall guy on the roster and still have him there. I think it creates too much of a sideshow. Maybe I'm wrong, but Hoodie and I were reading – the Dan Weederer article this morning, I don't know if you read it, I highly recommend it. It breaks down talking to current and former GMs, personnel men, coordinators, all about Justin. Number seven, Field's spotty track record in the fourth quarter isn't a secret. 
In three seasons, 37 starts, he has 19 fourth-quarter turnovers, fourth-quarter passer rating 61.0, career low this year, 52. And in the final eight minutes of a game, when the Bears have the ball with a chance to tie or take the lead, he's 3-for-23, won each of his three seasons. And his fourth-quarter passer rating this season ranks 36th of 37 qualified quarterbacks with at least 50 fourth-quarter attempts ahead of only... Bailey Zappi, this one former coordinator said, is a red flag, bright red. So I watched the All-22, and I don't have your eye, but I'm watching it for a while. And the game against Atlanta, for me, was the best I've ever seen him play in a Bears uniform. Is that a pop-up, or do you think it's a trend? Um, I... I, I... You know, I, I think until you you do it numerous times back to back to back in the in your home environment or an away environment, it's kind of a pop up, and I think that's why it's just not an obvious decision, and that we're having discussions all around the league from former general managers to current general managers to what his perceived value is if you did make a trade, or you know if you take in consideration what the financial ramifications are going to be in two years. You know, is he worth that decision? So that's why it's just not an obvious yes or no or what you're going to do with uh, Justin. And, you know, that's why, you know, you guys, the three of us are having this discussion this late in the season, because if it's not an obvious yes or no, after 17 uh, weeks going into the 18th week of the season, and you still have those types of stats that you can put up there and you still have question marks, you know, it's not a foregone conclusion. You know, your your decision is guaranteed. Yeah, if it's yes, if it's not yes or no, then you know the answer, right, Tom? Yeah, but you know, you go back and you look. I remember when Bruce Allen was the GM of the Washington Redskins, then now the Commanders, and I was talking to him when they drafted and made trades for RG three, and they still drafted Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. And I was telling him because I played for his dad, George Allen. And I said, Bruce, your dad would have never made that trade in the history of his NFL football life, and I can't believe you did that. And he goes, oh, I think it was a good deal, but we backed it up by the Kirk Cousins decision. So, you know, when you talk about you can't make another quarterback decision, it's been done before, and it's, it's you know, it's un- unfortunately for RG3 and the injuries that he's faced, it worked out for the commander's that you know they did draft Kirk Cousins in with that position, so I'm not saying you gotta you know you have to guarantee do it with the first pick in the draft, but you can still draft another quarterback to come in here and make the position stronger and more competitive. It's it's really interesting, Tom, because I, I mentioned the cap. This is such a Sophie's choice for uh, for Ryan Poles because there's so many different ways to go with this at the end of the season. So. One thing that we kind of hammered in on is someone, I think it was uh, on a podcast, Cap, that we heard where, was it the Long Brothers that said it would be a mutiny if, if the Bears were to allow Justin Fields to go, you trade him or not, he's no longer being the quarterback. They said they, I think he said there'd be a mutiny, one of the Long Brothers said. It might have been Kyle that said that. And so, you know, the other part of it is some would say, Tom, well, you know, if you bring in Caleb Williams, say you draft him one and he's the starting quarterback next year, then it's a whole new system to learn. And I'm just thinking, well, what's the system now? The system I think that we saw against Atlanta is exactly the best of the system. The blend of run and pass 
and to get everyone involved offensively, including Fields with his legs. Is that not the Bears system? Can that not be replicated? Uh, yeah, but, you know, I've been confused by that question the whole season. What is the identity of the Bears? You get 250 yards rushing against Arizona. You have 192 yards rushing against Atlanta. Uh, but then when you go back and you say, okay, is the identity of the Bears running the ball because of how powerful their offensive line is? And then you go back and you look at short yardage and goal line um, and, you know, that they weren't able to convert to keep their offense on the field struggle. and get in the scoring position. Yeah, it's a struggle. And so I, I don't know if there's still an identity of this Bears offense at this time of the season. And But, you know, when you think you, – I, I guess you have to start thinking at a bigger picture other than just Justin because you're going to have a decision to make with uh, Jalen Johnson. You're going to have a future de- – uh, decision to make with DJ Moore. You're going to have to bring up other positions that have an important role in the locker room success of this football team. And, you know, if I, I don't necessarily think, you know, there there would be a mutiny, but, you know, there, you know, everybody is kind of, uh, you know, looking out for their best future interest individually as much as they want to say publicly. Um, what they want to see being done. And, uh, you know, Jalen Johnson has been talking for the last two and a half years how he feels he needs to be paid as one of the top cornerbacks in the league. And I guess it's it was, you know, when you go and you make the Pro Bowl games, whatever you want to call that, you know, now you have to make a decision with him um, as much as as much as anybody in the locker room. Now, if you don't go and sign Jalen Johnson, a guy that you drafted, the guy that's been a starter since he's been here, is that going to create a mutiny on the defensive side of the ball? So, you know, those are some of the difficult decisions that Ryan Poles, Kevin Warren, and, you know, everybody behind the scenes has to make. And, uh, you know, it's, it's only a, about a week away until maybe we'll get some evidence of what direction they're going. Okay, so Luke Getze is, you know, he's this pariah in town, and I think he's not Bill Walsh. He's also not how he's portrayed a lot by the fan base. The other day, I wa- watching the tape, and you watch more than I do, there are a lot of wide-open receivers. They put 37 points on Atlanta, some of it with Justin's legs. I get it. But some of those play calls, play designs, looked pretty good to me. Again, he's not Bill Walsh. He's got his faults. My question is, if Eberflus is back, and it sounds like he is, if Justin's back, can you run the risk of changing play callers and giving him, he had a system at Georgia, I'm transferring. He had Ryan Day's system. He had Matt Nagy's system. He had Luke Getz's system. It would be his fifth system in eight years. You run a risk there, don't you? Yeah, you do. But, you know, to me, if you did make a change in the system, I wouldn't change the terminology. Because that's, I think, the most difficult aspect of learning a new offense is if you bring a guy in here that thinks he's the next brainchild of offensive football in the NFL and he wants to bring in this confusing terminology that takes a year to learn for a quarterback and six to eight months to for the offensive line to perfect, I think that's when you face the most difficult transition if you bring in somebody else. So, you know, I saw creativity in the first series of the Atlanta system as well. They ran a double pass. They were going to run a wildcat shotgun double reverse. And But I think um, there, we're going to see a lot of the evidence of Luke Getze in the first scripted plays going into Green Bay. 
It's going to be a hostile environment. And one thing about uh, playing against the Green Bay Packers is offensively you need a fast start. You need to be able to put pass points on the board as quickly as you can to allow Matt Eberflus, the defensive coordinator Eberflus, to be as, as aggressive as he can at the line of scrimmage. And one thing about it, Frank Clark, or Kenny Clark, defensive tackle of Green Bay, he's 14-0 and against the Bears. You better think of a way to block the, the edge rushers of the Green Bay defense, but you better be able to block the interior if you think you're going to have another triple-digit running game that they've had the last two weeks. Tom, how surprised are you that Jordan Love has been this successful with the Packers so far this season? Not at all. It's the template of success for 95 years in the NFL where you go and you draft a guy and you allow him to sit behind a quarterback to learn the system, learn the terminology perfectly, watch the mannerisms of the starting quarterback and how he carries himself and the little intricacies of the thinking portion of the game to make you, you know, your, your process expedited once you do get a chance to play. So, you know, I think Green Bay has kind of shown the template of quarterback success in the last 30 years. Um, and that's what the NFL was going through for the first 70 years. Before we let you go, back to the, what Hoodie asked you about with the Long Brothers saying you could have a mutiny and there's other people, the culture in the room could change. I asked that question to Olin and he said, I used to hear guys go, I can't believe they cut Jonathan or they cut Tom. He said, would you rather it's you? Put your helmet on and go to work. He said, and if Caleb Williams or whoever rolls in here and leads you to where you want to get to, they'll all be like, yeah, I sent my friend Justin a card or I called him or I texted him, but they'll be very happy that they're playing in the Super Bowl. He said they will get over it if they draft the right guy. Is that fair? I'll tell you a funny story. When I got cut by the Bears, Wanstead told me on a Saturday I was going to be the guy they were going to go to on the upcoming Monday after I was coming off a pup list. Upcoming Monday, they cut me instead of being the starter. But Jim Harbaugh that year bought Rolexes for the offensive line. And from when I got cut, he gave it to the guy that took that replaced me. So believe me, man, he didn't put it in a box and send it to me in Miami. He gave it to the guy that was taking my place. Wow. wow. Oh, boy. Wow. <laughs> That's he gets the bear job. You better be getting a Rolex. Hey, I don't I just listen. I want us to be able to go down to radio roll for a week and broadcast during the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And uh, you you can keep all that stuff. I want the Bears and I want the, them to reward the the fans and the team and all of us with playoffs and Super Bowl. Whatever it takes. Tommy, That's right. Tommy, it does make sense after this national championship game whether or not Harbaugh wins or loses, it's probably time for him to come back to the NFL, right? I mean, he's done a lot for Michigan. It'd be great, obviously, for his alma mater and him to win a national championship, but don't you think it's time for him to return? Yeah, I do, and I think there's some billionaire owners out there that are willing him to give everything that Michigan's willing to give him and then, you know, trying to, uh, you know, for he has the ability to turn things around within a couple of years' time. It's not something... You're going to give him a five-year window of opportunity to succeed. He'll be able to do something within a couple of years. Tom, as always, we appreciate the time. All right, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. You're the man. See you up at Lambeau. First foray in there. Come say hi. I will. See you guys. Tom Thayer with us.